I'm Aysan and welcome to a very special edition of the 9320 podcast. Uh, I am delighted today to be joined by Mr. Graham Hunter and we are going to talk about the rapidly gaining momentum story that Alexis Sanchez is on the move from Arsenal this summer and could potentially be seeking a move to Manchester City. Uh, welcome, Graham. Thank you, Ace. Nice to chat again. Always, as always. Um, so, yeah, listen, um, Alexis, maybe before we get into the here and the now, he obviously played under Pep at Barcelona. Uh, what was their relationship like at Barcelona? Were they close? Not close? No, you're right to start there. I think it's wise to start there because I think that it, it offers you both, um, not negative, but it. I think it's worth exploring so that there's an understanding of what might come. Yeah. Because it wasn't good. There was a there's a distinct mixture in that. Um, well, I've said it before, so I'll say it bluntly. When when Pep was still there, the system, the idea that um, particularly people talk a lot about passing, but positional play, so that the rules about where players must be. And I've spent um, the last year and a half making a film of the Barca book which has been useful to reef because it's now, you know, in terms of the amount of work we have to do, the amount of learning, how sort of au fait you have to keep yourself with trends and developments at all the clubs around you. It's been useful for me to go back to players from the Pep Guardiola era, mm. speaking about the rigidity of the rules. Now, neither Barcelona currently nor Manchester City under Pep um, apply those rules, but they're part of something which um, is integral to the way that Pep Guardiola understands football, and I would imagine that um, a re-establishing of these uh, positional practices based on signing players who are more um, either accustomed to them or adept at applying them mm. must be a part of the process that's that's already started and will continue through the summer. So going back to the practical example is um, when when Alexis came, he he was he he wasn't the right individual for that system. He had all kinds of um, personal attributes as an athlete um, in terms of his ability to press, um, in terms of um, where particularly in the pitch he 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 liked to play. And the fact that he, he very evidently could, could score goals and look like he might be more prolific in a better team. You'd tick lots of boxes on the, on the, on the sort of uh, card that was applied to do we, don't we sign this player by um, the football department at, at FC Barcelona. When he came in, what, what you, I guess you can only learn on the training ground is that he wasn't very adept understanding the rules and applying the rules in that he was, you know, as he tells his own story brilliantly about he was so poor um, back home, he was so um, dependent on his abilities that he was, you know, a miniature Luis Suarez, but without the Ajax training. So he was um, so... so just sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but would you say yeah. there's a lack of intelligence when he went into Barcelona? Just to be really blunt about it, a kind of lack of tactical intelligence and schooling. I want to I want to withdraw from that phrase initially by saying that what he what 
and we've seen it before um, so many times. Look, we, we saw exact, we saw a similar phenomenon with Thierry Henry, with Eric Abidal, and we're not going to accuse them of um, lack of football intelligence. Of course. It's when, when players of a good level come into Football Club Barcelona, very often they go, well, hold on a second, I know how to play football. Zlatan did it. I know how to play football. I've been watching how you play, and I can play like that. And then they find out what the reality of the rules about how to do it, or find out the reality of, of working for Pep. And one size doesn't fit all. Hmm. And and the, the differences are that Abidal and Henri made the transition and changed how they played. And Henri's expression to me was, you, you have to put it, put aside your dignity, put aside your ego, and, and almost start again. Slatan hmm. refused to do that. And Alexis... To go back to your man, um, found it difficult not to let his nature keep reoccurring. If there's a ball, chase it. <laughs> if there's a sprint on, make it. Yeah. If there's if there's a, if there's a gap into which to dart, run, and expect the ball to be given. And oh fuck me, I'm offside again. Whatever it might be, that was a problem. And another problem was that. Uh, it came at a time when I would argue uh, if things weren't disintegrating, there was definitely much more um, tension between Guardiola and his squad. And what was needed was absolute efficacy. So take, for example, a game like, I don't know, just example Bridge. The ball needed to be put away. You know, never mind that was near, that was off the bar, that hit a defender. And... Broadly across his time under Pep Guardiola, what Alexis was um, unable to do was was quickly enough adapt his nature. And, and I, I'm not defensive about him. It's a guy I've I've met and interviewed and watched a lot of. So, albeit that I found him an interesting, likable person, I'm not def- being defensive of him. I promise you, I'm being analytical or trying my very best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, players like Abidal and, and Yaya Toure and Thierry Henry had a year and then began to yeah. run away from the difficulties, run you know, run clear of the difficulties in year two. By year two, Pep was gone. The system changed. Villanova was similar, but things were not identical at all. And therefore, um, I'd have sympathy for what Alexis found in terms of Coming to being signed for a reason, coming to a club where the 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 rulebook was new and very strict, where the coach was demanding, but had a little bit of his attention elsewhere because he knew he was going. Where there was difficulties with the players because certain players were very aware that Guardiola was going to leave, but he hadn't said so. So he came into an extra volatile or extra difficult circumstance. And if you look at his performances and his goal totals, there, there were. I'd say they were better than adequate. Um, there was also the famous um, incident, which you'll know about, um, given your football knowledge, about the fact that <clears throat> Guardiola, perhaps unfairly, expected Alexis to tell his national team, well, look, I'm, you know, I've, I've been playing a lot of games. If this game isn't quite so important, could you give me 55 minutes or 60 minutes because I've got a big game on a Saturday? And famously, he comes on as a substitute in a big game at the Camp Now and is... And, Sprints and injures himself after I don't know ten twelve minutes on the pitch. And he happens right. to be at the at the touchline and right in front of Guardiola, who uses a, an absolutely, you know, brutal expletive, brutal 
about why you've done this. This isn't this isn't elite player uh, fitness management. It, it, it was, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like it was your duty to try and limit your international playing time so that you a you're ready for this game and b you're not limping off because of an overload on your muscle uh, and losing the uh, key player a vital time and and, and that and Pep blew up with it with frustration. But I think, listen, I'll, I'll hand back to you now, but I think there are clear reasons why today um, the situation isn't the same. So that's why, I, that's why I wanted to ask you about his time first, because my understanding and my feeling was that there was actually some tension between Sanchez and Guardiola um, during his time there. Now, do you think that that would... There's two things that I'm curious about. Firstly, I'm curious about the tactical thing that you've spoken about. Somebody said to me yesterday or the day before that Alexis performed better for Guardiola when he was asked to play as a false nine because it wasn't quite as limiting in terms of the positional play system as when he was asked to play from wide left. I'll... I'll, I'll... I won't dodge that question, but I will try and paint something onto it. You could see it was evident from two or three or four weeks in at maximum that playing with Messi made him uncomfortable. Okay. He was um, initially overawed and he would, not always, but he would regularly... Um, run when he should have passed and passed when he should have run. And there was that instinct where flipping it, the, the all-time legend, the team leader, the guy who's given shooting me daggers is asking for the ball. The way to curry some favor and the way to, to find my rhythm here is to give him the ball. Mm. Well, no, this is where you need really big bollocks in football. Not Alexis. You, you know, it. every, every player in every position where, a lot has been demanded of him at an early age, either because of when you're born or, or an early time at a new club. You 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 back yourself, you interpret what the coach is telling you, and then you doggedly get it right in your own way. If you if you think that it's the right thing to do to to serve the guy who's the big name all the time, you will at best uh, be a domestique. You'll be ancillary. And at worst, you'll look as if you're making wrong decisions based on being overawed. And there was an element of that. And there was an element when Alexis did his own things and, and they didn't come off. Where Messi, who, who'd been doing the same with David Villa, who is, you know, a better player than Alexis and Spain's all-time number one striker, including Raul. You know, Messi was showing on-pitch frustration and, and, and waving his arm and swearing yeah. at Villa. And he was doing the same with Alexis. So, again, I've ended without having this intention in mind at the beginning of my explanation. Again, I'm introducing a tiny degree of sympathy for Messi, uh, for Alexis because working alongside Messi then um, was, was, was not an easy concept. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I guess that brings us more or less to today in terms of where we're at. Obviously, the... The, the story seemed to have, have gathered some momentum in the last sort of three or four days about the fact that Alexis's preferred destination 
would be Manchester City. Now, my first question for you, and this is purely about, I just want your opinion. I'm not asking for, you know, inside knowledge or anything like that. Just in your opinion, does that ring true for you? The idea that if he were to leave Arsenal and the options are Chelsea, Man United, Manchester City, Juventus and Paris Saint-Germain, can you see it ringing true that Alexis feels he would like to go to play under Pep? Bearing in mind that they have a history that isn't necessarily something that you would go, oh yeah, it was amazing and they loved each other and it was productive for both men. Yeah, you've expressed that well because both of us knowing your listeners are smart enough to know that I wasn't talking about enmity nor a, a complete breakdown in relationship yeah. at all. You're, you're right. Um, I think I'll answer, yes, it makes sense from his point of view um, for a number of reasons. Not not to the total exclusion of the options that you've mentioned, <clears throat> but I think it's worth pointing out something that I learned about him, something that I've learned about um, footballers over my career during 30 years of talking to them, but increasingly in the latter part of the career because wealth has changed and, and salaries have changed. When you come from a background like his, where um, you know he's called a squirrel because he, you know, they couldn't afford to lose a football if it went on top of a building or up a tree or down a ravine, he'd go after it because they didn't have the money for um, for a ball. Hmm. And and he described to me about when he got his first pair of boots, the degree of scrimping and saving that his mom and 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 the, and the friends and neighbours had had to do to get him just a simple pair of boots was like winning the lottery. Um, and he invests a lot in his home community, um, as in financially he does. I think when you come from a background like that, one, um, he's always been driven to succeed. It has meant a lot to him, not only to, um, to, to earn, to become a premium wage earner, but to, and, and to, to, let's say, I suppose, again, without trying to put Arsenal down, Arsenal epitomise right now uh, what Alexis hasn't wanted for himself throughout his career. He has wanted to be wealthy. He has wanted to correct um, the flaws in his upbringing and to, he, he immediately liberated his mum from working and from having any worries about their house and so on. He's, he's done the right things with his money. Um, but he, he has wanted to win as well. It's been in his makeup, at least it's how he expressed it to me, and it, it, it's what I've seen, that it, it wasn't simply, it wasn't in football simply to, to get out of the gutter to get rich. He was there to win, and therefore, um, you know, our City automatically going to win more trophies next season than Juventus or Paris Saint-Germain. Automatically, no. Um, but I think that he could look at being part of a project where he knows what face what faces him, they know what they're getting, and I think he's a very different man and a different footballer um, from the point at which he left the camp. Now, I don't think there's any question about that whatsoever, and I think you can delineate the differences. But from his point of view, um, I don't think he'd be intimidated by going back to have another shot at impressing Pep Guardiola at all. I don't think that would intimidate him. Yeah, there wasn't. We, we've established there wasn't. A, complete breakdown between the two and would he would he would he punch um manchester united in the face to say no thank you or paris and germain or Venice? no i don't i don't think that's the case but would um the type of wages that city can offer and the type of playing conditions that city can offer uh, attract him 
the and with the ambition of the, what the club's setting out to do attract him. Yeah. Excellent. Um, in terms of the the position that Arsenal are in right now, with a year left on his deal, I guess the uncertainty around around Wenger's future. Do you think that's part of what's? I guess what I want to what I'm trying to get at is I'm I can't I know how these things go in football, right? And nine times out of ten, when somebody's got a short amount of time left on their contract. There's generally a, an element of the player's going to try and get the best deal he can, no matter where that deal comes from. Can you envisage a situation where he signs a new contract at Arsenal? Um, not no, unless you, you've known him a little bit, so you know his nature a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we'll be careful in, in that. You know, neither of us have portrayed me as a close confidant. No, not at all. I've, not at all. I've, I've interviewed him. Yeah, I've interviewed him, and when you interview him. I, I have never been in the position of needing to interview him to simply get the, the latest headline about what happened to you know his growing strain or how it will be playing against Katafi. I wanted to I, the interviews were about trying to get to understand him a little bit for him yeah. to express himself and his wishes. So all I would say is that um, and also we're, we're both intelligent grown-ups where um, a lifetime spent in football means that we're able to interpret a little bit what he's saying and doing um, at his club right now. Um. Patently, Arsenal have money um, which they could throw at him to tempt him. Yeah. And they could say, "We we will we will blow you away, such that you can't earn more anywhere else." But I don't think they're going to do that. Okay. They could um, either remove Wenger, or Wenger could say, "I'm stepping aside." And if they were to sign, which I don't think they have the nerve to do, Cholo Simeone, then. With the right wage deal and Cholo Simeone coming in, would Alexis stay? I think he probably would. I, again, I would temper that by saying he is one of those footballers to whom it does matter whether he's playing Champions League football or not. Yeah, It actively does matter. And therefore, that is something that I think we both agree is looking like a hurdle that Arsenal probably won't overcome. Yeah, I, I don't think. I think Arsenal aren't going to make it the top four, from my personal point of view. Um. So, under the conditions or, or similar conditions that I mentioned, um, let's say they bring in Sampaoli, who's going to be the Argentina coach very soon. <laughs> and Sampaoli says, listen, um, Alexis, it's going to be like when we won the Copa America together, hmm. the brand of football, you understand, you understand me, complete change, and the club are going to treble your wit. In these circumstances, yes. In the circumstances the faces right now, I'd be really surprised if he did stay. Okay, wonderful. Um, can I ask you about one more thing? Uh, just because I'm curious, and we started talking about Alexis, and it's it's popped into my head because it's obviously been a big conversation. We had a conversation about Joe Hart. Do you remember we did a podcast about Joe Hart when I do when when he left, and you kind of explained the way that Pep thinks. Um, I want to ask you a similar question about Aguero because obviously the the. I tried to lead you up a garden path earlier by asking you about Alexis playing as a false nine as opposed to playing from wide because mm. what I'm curious about is when I'm looking at Alexis and I'm looking at Aguero, I'm wondering, is Alexis, are we being linked here? Do we want him because Navas is leaving and, and therefore we suddenly will have, we can have Sterling, Sané and Sanchez as three kind of world-class wingers, two from three every week? Or... 
are we looking at Sanchez or is Pep looking at Sanchez and going, maybe he gives me a little bit more than Aguero gives me. Maybe he gives me a little bit more of what I need. <laughs> I think we can say it more boldly. He did. He doesn't score quite as many goals, but he gives you a whole lot more than Aguero does. Okay. I mean, Aguero, for all as you love him, and, and if only you'd named a podcast after him, um, <laughs> then uh, I, I feel I'm in the wrong territory to do anything other than to tiptoe around that okay, no, no, subject. No, no, be, honest, be honest, because I've had... Uh, this is a robust discussion that is currently going on, even amongst our podcast team, and there is significant disagreement. Well, I, I don't think, I don't think, if, if, if I think, it, you have to view the Aguero conversation, you have to try to bring in the same context as we did with Arsenal. If people believe that Pep Guardiola will stay over a period, not just next season, and if people believe that Pep Guardiola will get it right, will, will, will make the the playing and the training and the understanding of his rules cohesive. And if people believe that once he does that, then the quality of the thinking, the quality of the play, the quality of the training can hurdle this this mythical not in the Premier League idea. Yeah. Then then at that stage, Aguero's the wrong player. Because you you I do not believe that Leopard can change his spots. And does he work hard enough um, off the ball? Um, is he in prime physical condition all the time? Is he a presser? Mm, I would say not. And I would not for one second be derogatory about him. I'm only describing him that way if, uh, the nirvana of Pep's system, even an adapted system, which is definitely what we're talking about. We're not, yeah, we're not. And I don't even believe that last summer when we were talking, we're, we're not talking about, you know, Barca in Lancashire. We're not. Yeah, we're talking about the hybrid of his ideas with the reality of being Manchester City and being in the Premier League. In that instance, Aguero is still um, an elite finisher, but are there an accumulation of things that make him the right? make him not the right footballer for uh, a fully functioning Pep Guardiola system. Yeah, the, the red cards will, will tick uh, Pep off. The inability to work as hard off the ball as he needs to. The suspicion that he, he, he could consistently be leaner throughout a season. That he could work harder than simply when the ball is supplied into the right area for him. These are things that that traditionally don't fit well with Pep. So that that would be my verdict. But, I, but I'll tell you something else that's that's important to factor in. Finishing talent like his is very hard to find. Yeah. Secondly, Pep has always been, he's tried often to strip away, you know, when we analyse somebody so much, we can end up, I, we can end up using terminology which inadvertently sort of mythifies him and he strips that away he wants to win and his idea is get your best players on the pitch all the time but when he's asked to break down that get the best players on the pitch all the time it's the it's the players who don't give the ball away who you could who will show for the ball in the right position who will have a clear understanding of pace space who'll give who'll, whose work will make the teammates work when they get the ball next easier 
these are things about best players for Pep. But you won't easily say goodbye to a player who gives you those many goals. But one of them has to change. Either Pep Guardiola has to surprise me by saying, in my ideal team, once I've had another summer's transfer work at it, once I've got to grips with what English football is like, in my ideal team, it doesn't matter if the centre-forward doesn't work that hard off the ball. Or Aguero has to change and say, I smell the coffee, I see what happened to Joe Hart, I see the budget's big, I see that we didn't win serious trophies. Let's say you may win the FA Cup, and that is a serious trophy, but as we speak... yeah. And if, if, if neither of those things, you know happen then then he gets sold hmm. I'd never thought about it like it's interesting that you you, you you kind of the way that you I'm trying not to be ace you know I'm trying not to be derogatory oh, you no. have a phenomenal striking talent up front but I think I answered that well I think I answered your, your question which was about you if I'm right you were asking about the Pep Kuhn thing right yeah just within the within the because for me I think the Alexis thing, I, I find it very difficult to separate the Alexis situation and the Aguero situation. Not that I'm saying that the signing of Alexis guarantees that, that Aguero no. is out the door, but what no. I'm saying, I'm wondering if they can coexist and how they coexist with well, Sterling, I, with Sane, with Jesus already there. Okay, you've, you've, it's, to me that's really fascinating because what's absolutely clear right now even though they actually, you don't have the right number of forwards. And, and that isn't just an arithmetical equation. It's about um, <laughs> the right number of forwards who are fit, who are on form, who can play in any given circumstances, who can give tactical variation, um, who are not suspended, not injured. So Jesus comes back. And it's Peyton that you've got um, a, a Neymar-esque figure. Very, very slight, very small, very young, inexperienced, new to English football. Will he have a different, will he have an Alexis work ethic or will he have a Cunaguero work ethic? I think that maybe somewhere in between, but he, if, he, if the pendulum were to swing towards the Alexis work ethic off the ball, I'd be pretty surprised. So let's just keep your strikers as they, let's keep them all as they are. Yeah. In my opinion, you certainly right now, even with all of them, you're one top class striker light. Is my opinion striker? Gotcha. Um, is is Alexis a striker within this conversation? All right, I use I use my own my old uh, terminology. I know that what that has become uh, interpreted as is somebody who plays down the middle a nine. Call him a forward if you like. Fine, Perfect. he can play. He can play in my view um, off either touchline. He can play as your central striker in. in in, given, in a given system mm. and with given types of players behind him. And he can play off a big striker. No question about that. Whether, now we've come to something that we didn't touch on that I think is important and that I think Alexis has has slightly exchanged the, the basic raw nature which had not, which had functioned perfectly from Udinese, which had not been diminished because it hadn't needed to and which took time to diminish under Pep Guardiola at Football Club Barcelona. Well, now, his experiences of playing for Sampaoli and his experiences of playing at Arsenal, where he certainly works and scurries and presses to a similar degree, but he is unquestionably, in my mind, a much more tactically aware 
much more tactically disciplined footballer than the one that pitched up at the camp now. Hmm. And given that um, Guardiola isn't going to sign a Messi, well, <laughs> maybe sign Messi, but it, there aren't many players of the ilk of the ones that he had at his very best at Barcelona, Guardiola, around. And I could understand the idea that Alexis has fewer goals than Kuhn, but complements him because he does more of the work. I could understand the idea that Jesus might, given his um, age and his physical slightness and the fact that he's coming back from a debilitating injury, I could understand that we're maybe talking about him being at his peak towards the end of next season or even the season after. I think that, not at his peak, I'm not talking about not contributing. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And then actually is somebody who's of an age and, and who needs to show um, that he can command pitch respect and play regularly and not simply be an impact player. What, overall, I think that the fit for Alexis at City, I could understand why they would want him. I could understand how he might fit. And, I, and my, my, my contention is that he's a significantly different guy and significantly different footballer uh, with some of the rub, rough edges rubbed off him from having been for the subsequent year uh, years at Barcelona and his time at Arsenal. Mm. So, and also... And also, also compliments Aguero, you think? Yeah, that's, that's my argument. If, they, if, if you keep... If you successfully buy one and keep the other, in my view, there's no question that they can work off each other. And, um, you know, Jack Spratt and his wife. Aguero scores more, but Alexis works more. It yeah. could be... Potentially, it could be a very... Linguistically, it's perfect. But also, I think that I, I, it's my opinion, and this goes beyond Alexis, that in the, in, the, in the developmental spurt that Manchester City squad needs to show to be more competitive for a longer period of time or maybe even win uh, the Premier League, ditto in, in Europe, they need to sign footballers who aren't simply um, intelligent and of the... The, the technical um, specs that Pep Guardiola wants, if, if there's going to be any acceleration of the project, they need to make that players who understand England. And, you know, Alexis, by by default, understands the Premier League inside out right now. Mm. And that, that I think, in my view, it's an enormous boon um, if City, or indeed United or Liverpool, were in Liverpool, and Liverpool, you know, Liverpool busted bollocks to try and get him um, before he went to Arsenal. Yeah. Liverpool went to the, ex- the extent of, um, <laughs> in a nice way, as Peter Beardsley would say, following him around to see what his, his sort of personal habits were. What did he eat when he went out to a restaurant? <laughs> did he drink wine or dr- did he drink coffee? That's how that's how big their portfolio of scouting on on Alexis was, and they tried. They bent over backwards to try and get him before Arsenal. So. All I would say is that, you know, it's clear that he has choices. I think that he could either um, be part of a replacement project for Aguero, part of, or he could complement Aguero. Mm. He knows he's at the right age. He's still very hungry hungry to win, not just to earn. And he knows the English game inside out. What's not to like? I'll second that. I'll definitely second that. Um, you know what, Graham? Perfect. Listen, thank you so much for... Uh, Sparing me half an hour to. Uh, no, to a pleasure to talk football. Yeah. Whatever podcast you put up, so long as it was talking about football like this, I would listen in and I'd always chat to you all. Um, it was a terrific experience the last couple of times. 
Um, been a bumpier season for you, um, probably than than most of it uh, most of us expected. I definitely, think definitely. Um, but I suppose a day out of Wembley remains. So enjoy that when it comes, and uh, we'll talk the next time you think it's appropriate. Absolutely, Graham. You you have a uh, lovely end of the season in uh, in Spain, and I will speak to you very soon. Stick in, Ace. Keep writing. Cheers, mate. See you later. Cheers.